0: It was a really challenging shoot and I, I found myself very emotional not because the the situation with his life was sad but because it was actually in some ways really beautiful like how to how his family is really there for him
1: this photography podcast is brought to you by frames the upcoming printed photography magazine Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olson, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone,
2: and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. I'm Scott Olson, and today I have the real privilege and honor to speak with Samantha Cooper. Sam is the senior photo editor at Wired Magazine, and... In case you don't know Wired Magazine, it is a magazine dedicated to uh, examining how new technologies influence the world, influence culture. It is part of the Condé Nast suite of magazines, including the New Yorker, Vanity Fair, magazines like that. It is a monthly magazine with just under a million subscribers. Uh, Looked it up a little bit earlier today. They list 19 million social followers or followers on social platforms. It is, uh, to my way of thinking, one of the essential magazines for understanding contemporary life. And it is um, impressive not only for its uh, writing, but for its photography, for the way it presents a visual image of the world. Sam is one of those people that decides how we get to see what we get to see Um, the images of the world that's unfolding before us. So, Sam, welcome to Frames Magazine. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. Uh, Let me begin with with the easy question. How's life out on the West Coast? How how are you surviving these extraordinary days?
0: Um, I would say it's pretty challenging. It's, um, you know, things are really hard. Um, Between the protests and COVID and just wanting to support... Um, you know, friends and family, and um, it's yeah, it's hard to stay focused right now, but um, you know, just trying to do the best that I can it,
2: it is a difficult time for all of us that that's absolutely certain. Um, I want to begin with something fairly basic because a lot of us in in the photo world um, rely on photo editors but probably don't even really know what a photo editor does um, so. Let me ask the the world's most basic question. You have been a photographer, you are a photographer, but you are a photo editor first and foremost. What is a photo editor?
0: So, a photo editor is the person who is arranging the photography for the story. Um, And that can consist of a variety of different things. You could um, be arranging all the details for the shoot, selecting the photographer, selecting the images um, you know, working out the logistics of the shoot. Um, and, um, yeah, but, um, it's funny because when I try and, um, explain what a photo editor is to my family, they still, um, they still think I shoot. It's, it just involves shooting, Um, And when I try and explain what I actually do, they it doesn't seem as exciting to them, which is really funny, because to me, it's a very, I love my job. Um, And I think it's one of the best um, roles in the photography world that you the best role you can have.
2: You know, I've I've heard that from a number of people who are photo editors. They don't simply enjoy their job or like their job. They love their job. Um, What is it about being a photo editor that invokes that kind of um, affinity?
0: I think there's, you know, depending on where you're working, of course, um, you know, if you love the stories that you're working on and the content and being able to work with amazing photographers and just the idea of you know a good portion of your day is looking at images all day and it I mean that's I mean in and of itself is a dream but um, you know being able to I like the challenge of being able to think about the story and how to best tell it visually and who is the best person to tell it and then also Um, you know, working with the photographer to visualize this. And when you receive the images and kind of seeing what they do with the story, it's, it's just, it's really special.
2: Tell me how early you get involved with the process when people are sitting around assigning stories. Are you sitting at that table?
0: So we do have pitch meetings. Um, Sometimes I might pitch a project um, you know, there's different, there's varying um, levels of where I would get involved, but for the most part, um, I focus on web, and I will, um, I work on a lot of the long form features for web. So, um, you know, I'll see some of the stories coming down the pipeline, but um, and then story, a lot of stories will just be assigned and. Um, that's when I'll enter, you know, familiarize myself with the story, talk to the writer, the editor, um, and then just start running with it.
2: And then you assign the photographer to the story? Yes. Okay. And you get to decide which of those photographers' images actually make it into publication uh, as well. I remember once you told me that selecting photographs was a bit like cutting off an arm. If you've got, 10 great images and space for two. How do you go about making those decisions?
0: Well, I mean, you're really thinking about the story and it's weird because sometimes it might not be my favorite image, but it's, I know it's the story that, I know it's the image that tells the story in the best way possible, um, So sometimes, yeah, you're, you're, you're choosing that might drive your selection. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's a lot of different variables, you know, thinking about how do you perceive the image? Like what effect is it having on you? Um, I I have a lot of different questions when there's fewer images that you're having to include. I mean, for like daily web stories versus long form features. I mean, the my approach is obviously a lot different.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's go back a little bit in, into the the distant past. How in the world did you wind up becoming a photo editor? I mean, at at some point, um, you had to pick up a camera and say, "This is cool." Uh, How did you get from that point to now?
0: Um, Let's see. So the first time I went to school in Santa Cruz and I actually studied um, film and video there. But when I graduated, I found myself taking classes at City College and originally fell in love with, you know, working with film, being in the darkroom Um, And then from there, that kind of was the mark where I'm like, I definitely want to work because I thought I wanted to become a photographer at that point and never thought about becoming a photo editor. Um, And so I took a lot of different random jobs. Um, I would shoot whatever I um, could get my hands on and I would assist different people, and then I always had kind of a side gig, a or a side hustle, whether it was like bartending, waiting tables. Um, I worked at a dance school for a while, and um, and then eventually got a um, a job at the Harvey Milk Photo Center, where I was teaching and um, and just kind of helping people that would come into the center, um, assisting people with um, assisting the director with showings and building and installations and yeah, kind of doing a variety of different things, but I was always kind of doing photography like on the side and, um, at some point, um, there was a position at Airbnb open and I ended up applying there and it was originally, um, a position as a researcher, um, so I am curator, and so I started working there. I ended up being there three years, and from the researcher curator position, curator position, I moved into a photo editor position, and then from there, I worked into a creative producer position. Um, and it was a period of time where I really learned a lot. I was able to make a lot of rookie mistakes and. Um, you know, May built a lot of relationships with different photographers and had really amazing mentors. And it was also back in the day when no one really knew what Airbnb was. It was truly a startup when I got there. Um And no one hated them yet. Um, But now, uh, I mean, I think I was like employee number 255 or something. Um, But it grew really quick. Um, So I learned a lot on the job. It was definitely. um, Yeah, there was things moved so quickly there.
2: Um, I mean, just to interrupt for a second, you know, in my ignorance, I would have always assumed that you get the homeowners to snap a couple shots, put them up, and you're done. There is a whole world of photographic curating, as you said, uh, yes. at Airbnb.
0: Yes, um, and I know things have changed a lot since I've been there, so I'm not exactly sure what the structure is like there anymore. But um, but yeah, it was um, yeah, it was kind of my first taste um, of photo editing and. I loved it. I wanted to do more of it. Um, And I actually, while I was doing creative production, I actually, like when I look back at everything, I found that uh, the time when I was solely doing photo editing, I enjoyed the most there. And then after that, I, after just short of um, three years, I ended up taking a job at Instagram where I was kind of doing a mix of things. And um, was doing a combination of, um, I kind of had my hands dabbled in a bunch of different things, um, where I was doing a mix of research, editing, um, commissioning, um, working on building installations, um, and trying to think what else, but yeah, that was probably it. Um, and then from there, um, this, I was there about two years. Um, it was very much, I, I always joke around that. It was like working at Disneyland. Um, but <laughs> from there, there was, um, the position, a friend told me about the position at Wired and I've always loved Wired. Um,
2: well, that's, that's remarkable. And like so many people in the photography world, um, a career depends upon the ability to be flexible, to be creative, uh, and, and to work in, in a whole different number of directions all at the same time. Um, and you wound up landing at one of the nation's best, uh, and I would argue most important, magazines. Um, now that you are uh, more or less in charge of the the photography there... What is a wired photograph? Uh, I mean, if, if you look at the magazine, it, it, it's perfectly obvious that the magazine has a style. It has a certain um, way of presenting images. But it, in, in your words, what is a what is a wired photograph?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of range to that. But I definitely think in terms of the style, it's really clean and really precise. And there's sophisticated lighting. Um there's often like complicated lighting setups and there it's yeah there's um but it definitely varies I mean we we don't tend to have a lot and I'm referring mostly to commissioned photography but um we do for our daily web stories we use stock images um but for our commissioned work when it it definitely ranges. We do work with photographers that, you know, don't have complicated lighting setups and shoot with natural light or, or they're really, they do really amazing work with, you know, a handheld flash. Um, There's some really amazing photographers that I've worked with that are just, uh, that can do so much with so little. Um, And, but I would definitely say it's very clean, and it, you know, there it pops and it stands out. Um, sometimes it's you know high contrast, and but it really ranges. It, it depends on the story and you know who we're working with, and yeah.
2: It, you know, pop is is a good word. I, I was thinking I was going to say that they were loud photographs, but that's not really what I meant. Um, they are present. You know, they, they are not, even if you're doing something low key and filled with shadows, they're not quiet photographs. They're forceful. No. Um, yeah. and, and that's been one of the things I've admired about the magazine for a long time. Um, tell me a story. T- tell me a story about a shoot that went really, really well. Um, Not only from the photographer's point of view, but then when the images wind up on your desk uh, and you had the abundance of riches.
0: Um, Oh Gosh, there's so many amazing stories about shoots. Um, I'm going to go with something that's very recent. Um, so a lot of publications have done the same story, where because of um, COVID nineteen, everybody is was reaching out to photographers and asking them to show us what they're shooting while they're sheltering in place. And so um, our entire team did this project together, where we each selected a photography a photographer and worked on a commission with them. Um, And basically the only guideline was that they couldn't leave their home. Um, And at that time, we weren't really commissioning anyone Um, and in any shoots. It had to be within someone's home um, or they had to have their own studio at home. Um, We weren't sending anyone out. Um, But I know that from my experience, sheltering in place, Um, with my wife and my dog um, having sheltering in place with an animal has been really comforting. And so I wanted, you know, different people were selecting different photographers, like a a still life photographer. um, And, you know, someone might be working with more of a portrait photographer. And so that was kind of my thing that I wanted to focus on. I wanted to find someone who I knew, um, you know, really cared about animals and was sheltering in place with an animal, and kind of how that, um, how you know how that was for them. And so I, I reached out to Robin Schwartz, and I met her at the New York Times Portfolio Review a couple of years ago, and I remember seeing her on my list of photographers that I was going to review and she was the first one. And I remember thinking, that's not the Robin Schwartz I'm thinking about this. It's probably, there's gotta be another Robin Schwartz. She wouldn't be here. Um, asking, she wouldn't be here getting a review, but I hadn't, it was my first time doing that portfolio review and I did not know anything about like the caliber of photographers. And so it was her, and I remember being really excited to see her work, um, and we kept in touch afterwards, and we still send each other um, links to weird animal accounts or photos of our um, our animal companions. And um, I know that I wasn't sure that Robin was actually going to pick up this request, this um, assignment because she's she actually has cancer and I know that she's had a hard time with it and I mean like anyone who has cancer Um, and so I wasn't sure if she would be up to doing it Um, but she picked it up and um, she focused on what a lot of her work focuses on her animal companions and her daughter Um, and her daughter had just come home from Spain and they think she had, um, they're pretty sure she had the coronavirus when she got back. And so she was initially sheltering in place with another, um, with another family member. But by the time I asked them to do this project, um, Emilia was, her daughter Emilia was back at her home. And so she shot them around the home, um, and, um, on their rooftop, they live in like a a, a converted fire, um, loft or something, a fire building, um, fire department building, I think it is. And, um, sorry, I'm forgetting how to speak English. Um, but, so she, she was doing, she did the shoot and we talked about it. The images were amazing. She just has this really, Um, the way that she photographs animals like they're humans. And, um, you know, it was really beautiful to get this glimpse into her life at home. And she said to me afterwards that, um, and also when I was doing the interview with her, that, um, you know, she was really excited this project was something that, you know, she wasn't really shooting and it got her out of bed every morning. And, you know, that to me just made me feel like it went beyond, you know, amazing images. And it was more than a photo shoot and more than just a story for Wired. And it was just, to me, something that was really special. Oh, that Um, sounds,
2: that sounds fantastic. Is it on the website now?
0: Yes, it is. Um, okay. It's on our, our photo section and it's part of the series called Shuttered.
2: Okay, that's wired.com, everyone, in case you haven't figured that part out. Um, I'm going to look at that as soon as we are done here. Um, as as lovely as that story is, there also has to be, of course, the, the, the dark side uh, as well. Tell me what you can about a shoot that just fell apart.
0: Oh, a shoot that fell apart,
2: or or editing that fell apart.
0: I don't feel like anything was truly has truly been a disaster. There, um, there's definitely stuff that has been stressful, or maybe I wasn't happy with like the direction in the end and things like that. Or I wish I would have done something different. Um, but um, I don't feel like anything there has been a total disaster. Things have been super stressful. But I wouldn't call anything there um, a disaster.
2: <laughs> that speaks an awful lot towards your team and, and to the photographers that you are working with. Um, I mean, something as simple as a lens falling in a river can ruin a whole shoot. So,
0: Yeah, um, no. I mean, I'm also not on a lot of these shoots. I don't attend them. Um, you know, we're... A lot of times we're hiring local. And, I mean, most of the time we are trying to hire local. Sorry, let me correct myself. And um, we do a lot of shoots that are in, you know, a whole other area. And, yeah, it's just impossible, um, especially considering the number of shoots we're doing. So, um, so yeah, I if things went poorly for them, I wouldn't know about it until afterwards. Um, and so I, yeah, I wasn't on the set stressing or on location stressing about it. Um, but yeah. Oh, okay. I will say this one thing that happened, this was probably like my most scary, um, incident, but it's, it was like actually one of the best shoots though. So I'm cheating a little bit on the, I'm responding to this, but we sent, um, photographer Andrea Dicenzo to um, Iraq and Syria. um, And she was covering um, a two part story for us. And um, there was a time I, I was actually, it was very nerve wracking to me because I remember people, you know, my experience as a photo editor has largely been in the tech world and it, you know, at Airbnb, you know, there really is like very little risk when you're sending a photographer to photograph a host or go, I mean, maybe now on some of the excursions they have, there is probably a lot more risk. But at the time I was there, um, they didn't have the experiences, they were just testing them out. Um, And so there was very little risk in Instagram as well. Um, And so when we Commissioned Andrea, it was um it was the first time I've sent some 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 a photographer to somewhere that, you know, where it was dangerous for them and there was the procedures and everything, sending them there, there were so many safety precautions. Um and just I learned a lot from her. Actually, as we were going, she was such a pro. She was like, Oh, we have to do this. I mean, she was basically telling me what I had to get ready and what she needed. Um, and so I learned a lot from her. And then, um, but it was definitely nerve wracking um, that when sometimes you're, you're waiting for them to check in. And we had a check in with the writer every morning and every evening. And there was this one time that the writer checked in and then she didn't check in. And so I was waiting and I'm like, give it some time. And we have this procedure where, you know, after 24 hours, then you have to do this. So you have to notify this, or if they call you and they say this word, um, or if they say this phrase and you know that something's happening and something went wrong, but she just can't talk about it. So there's all these things that go into it that were just, you know, in my other life at Airbnb at Instagram that had not prepared me for this. Um, so when she didn't, um, check in, I was freaking out and I, I was like, I cannot believe that I'm in this situation where I sent a photographer and they, who knows what happened. Um, and if she's in danger or, um, Yeah, so I remember freaking out about it, but luckily um, the writer was able to connect with a fixer who was able to track her down, and she had just forgotten to check it. (laughs) (laughs) um and was very (laughs) apologetic but i i was seriously in tears and you know just trying to like please call please you know it was just so nerve-wracking and i've heard these horror stories from other people but i you know it was just not my world before that shoot i'd never sent someone anywhere um remotely dangerous so um yeah.
2: Well, it, it it is important to note that Wired is is a global news magazine, and and that you are sending people into areas of great beauty, but great ugliness and conflict uh, as well. Journalists have been assaulted, they've been kidnapped, they've they've been killed. Does that um, come across your editorial considerations when you're thinking, here's a story, how are we going to cover it?
0: Yes, and having some of those conversations are. They're really hard and they're, it feels, yeah, it's awkward and it feels surreal. But, you know, you're, um, I mean, Condé Nast is really good about assessing risk and, you know, making sure we're prepared to send someone in, get them out. Um, It it
2: is scary. And and looking at the website, I mean, you've got everything from what's in a Tide Pod to global conflicts. So it it must be a tremendously dynamic office to work in just with the amount of creativity and information that's coming across your desk every day. Um, tell, Tell me another story about a particularly challenging bit of content, maybe not a location, but a story that was difficult to tell photographically.
0: Oh, you know, this one, I, this story, I think about all the time, actually, I think about the people. um, So we did a story on Lee Holloway, and he was a coder for Cloudflare. Um, This was a a print feature, and um, you can find it on um, back channel, um, in the back channel section on the site. And um, the, it It's a story, his life, he, you know, people are, some people are just dealt really bad hands. And, um, he, um, has FTD, um, he was diagnosed with FTD, um, which is a form of dementia and he's really young. Um, and he has a wife, um, um, two sons. Um, one son from, he was, um, remarried. And so he has a son from another, um, a previous marriage. So he has two sons. Um, and I went to San Luis Obispo to shoot this. Um, and, um, before we went down there, the, you know, thinking about the art and the art direction, it's like, how do you approach at the time? I didn't think we were even going to be able to shoot, Um, I, and I also just thought, you know, how do you get, you know, he can't consent to the shoot. And so, um, it would have to be his family consenting to it. And that also felt awkward. And so I assumed we were just going to use old photos of him working at Cloudflare or his life, And, um, but I wanted to do something different with the images. And so I worked with, um, this photographer, Amy Friend, um, she's in Canada and, um, she, our initial, um, plan was to transform the images. Um, and I had looked on her site and she had this, um, you might know her from like other work she's done with Cal Sunday where, um, she like punctures holes into the images and shines light through them. Um, There was a a really beautiful cover that Cal Sunday did with them, with her. And so this other series she was doing, she would actually like, she would slash um, and cut the images, tear them, bend them, and also shine light. Um, And so it was this really beautiful approach. And she talks about um, the, basically the, the, her, Um, statement about this piece was how um, it's about living in these um, two realities and these two worlds. And so when I was reading that, you know, I had thought the images were stunning, but when I read that, it clicked with me because, you know, here Lee has this, um, you know, he has dementia and he's living, he has this one reality, but then there is still a little bit of him that is corresponding And that it's still like old Lee that connects with his family and whether it's like fist bumps or, um, you know, like chasing his son around the yard. Um, so I went down there with photographer Jack Bull and he, we got permission from the family. They actually wanted him to be shot and they wanted him featured. They thought it was a, they, they feel like the story is really important and they wanted to tell it properly but it was definitely, you know, it was it was challenging. Um I I was one of the first shoots where I felt truly emotional like while I was there. Um you know, I was talking with his parents who lived down there with him. Um met his wife who I had been co- primarily coordinating with. And um you know, he doesn't sit still. He he's constantly moving and the home there they have a huge space where it's designed for him to be able to walk around a lot, walk outside. And so he kind of has this thing where he circles inside the house and outside and he paces and, you know, it's very much like has this park setting outside. And so the, you know, Jack has to follow him and also is, you know, trying to connect with him, but also photograph him in a way that, um, you know, is still showing him, you know, not showing him in, showing him accurately, like his situation is challenging, but also showing him with integrity. Um, And, you know, especially it's such a sensitive piece because he, you know, yes, he can't authorize the shoot. And so we didn't want to, you know, get take these close ups and try and pose him or anything like that obviously so it's it was about like shooting him in his natural environment and and observing what he does and capturing that. And that was part of the part of what I explained to um, Kristen Holloway, his wife, that we wanted to be really respectful of his space. And we talked a lot about that beforehand. Um, but that was a really challenging shoot. And I, I found myself very emotional, not because of how... Because the the situation with his life was sad, but because it was actually, in some ways, really beautiful, like how to how his family is really there for him and have taken his situation and have tried to make the best environment possible. Um, and. Yeah. So to me, it was really touching um, seeing how well cared for he is. And then also seeing that moments when he is trying to connect with people um, and with his family. And then eventually at the end of the shoot, he was doing a fist bump with Jack. Um, It was um, it was interesting, to I mostly just, you know, kind of stayed um, behind and talked with um, learned a lot about. Um, Lee from his family, from his mother and father. And and yeah, that was, so to me, that was, I would say, one of the most challenging shoots that um, I've worked on. Um, and I, I the images are so ingrained in my head like I can even the stuff that we didn't use for the story, like what Jack shot was stunning. Um, so the plan was to have sorry I'm backtracking Jack shoot mm-hmm. the the images and then Amy transform them. Um, and The images that from just the whole, all the visuals from being there, thinking about them before being there, seeing what Jack shot and then seeing what Amy did with them. It's like all of those are just so ingrained in my head. And I it's like I can like think about the bright green graph from Jack's um, from Jack's photography Um, and how they're transformed in the image it's you know it's it, it has like a very different quality and i i think it was really appropriate for um his story and his situation
2: again thinking of your role as photo editor now did the three of you agree on which images to use
0: um i did i i wanted to i ran a couple things by Kristen because the store his the story was very sensitive. Um, and I wanted to make sure that, um, that she was okay with something. So she had asked about, um, not shooting in his bedroom. Um, but there is an image there that was shot in his bedroom and, um, she had okayed it on the day, but afterwards had contacted me and was like, I really don't want to include anything that was in the bedroom. And this was the shoot, probably the only shoot where um, in the only situation where I would allow the subjects to have, um, I want them to be a hundred percent happy and um, feel confident about what we're publishing because they're trusting us with the story. And so I did, um, Check in with them about there's this image, it's close up, you can't tell it's in the bedroom, you can't tell everyone's on the bed, and it's a really tender moment where um, his son and Kristen, um, I was asked not to say his name and, and not include them, we didn't include his son's name in the story, so I'm, I'm intentionally omitting it, um, but they're all on his bed and they're putting together a puzzle. And you just see mm-hmm. their hands, and then Amy's treatment with the light, and it—it's just a very tender moment. And um, so it's like even though he has dementia, he still has—it's he still connects with his family, and it's just these two. It's almost like these two separate worlds, but to me, they're very connected. Uh, um, I, so I yeah, am, I am. like that. Sorry, I'm going,
2: it was just, I, 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 I am, com- I am completely impressed because in so many worlds, um, the editor is the one that makes the work, uh, actually realized, makes it better, whether it's a literary, literary editor for a book or a photo editor for an image or any other, um good eye and, and ear to a piece. Uh, I think we, we depend on that because we, you know, as photographers or writers or whatever, we can get way too close to our material, um, and not realize what other benefits might be present there on the page. Um, last question. Tell me, you know, how does one get to shoot images for Wired Magazine?
0: Um, um well we generally we obviously have um relationships with different photographers um but we're always looking for different photographers to work with you always um want to keep everything fresh and new and um obviously you don't I mean, while there may be a certain style that you want from a specific photographer, I really like working with photographers I've never worked with, and um, and a lot of that. A lot of the photographers I find, it's in kind of a lot of different places. I do refer to Instagram a lot. Um, it's you know the easiest place to find a photographer, um, especially in different areas, and. Then there's a bunch of different resources that um if I don't know anyone and no one on the team knows anyone in this area, then I'll look at one of the many different photo directories um between like diversify or lit list or blink um and then um photo portfolio reviews are probably i'd say. The, one of the most effective places for me to find really amazing photographers that were not on my radar. I mean, some of I them are. But yeah, I I really and it, it's so great because it's just that designated time um, for a couple days where you're just interacting with photographers and seeing their work. And some of it's you know ready to be published, and some of it you're you know you're kind of working. They want feedback on it, and you're working through stuff with them. And it's really interesting to see um you know someone you may have met a couple of years ago and how their work has progressed since then. Um but yeah, um so we do invite photographers when we were um not sheltering in place and we were actually going into the office. Um photographers would reach out to us and we would invite them to come share their work with our team. Um, that is something I also really enjoy. And I would say that's really effective in terms of a way to um, shoot for wired. Um, Probably another, I would say one of the best ways as well. Um,
2: Well, that, I mean, that is essential advice because so often you can sit at home and think, Oh, I'm never going to get in that door. And all you need to do sometimes is ask the, this has been a pleasure. This, this has been a, a series of some wonderful stories, stories I did not know. And uh, I am impressed with your work. I'm thankful for your work and, and for Wired Magazine. Um, I appreciate the time you were able to spend this evening.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: Okay, Sam. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for another podcast in the future.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast, I can imagine you would like to hear more about what we are currently working on. Later this year, we will be launching a quarterly printed photography magazine. It will be a beautifully designed, inspiring publication. I personally truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper, hence the idea of frames. To find out more about Frames and to join more than 14,000 photography enthusiasts who enjoy our weekly newsletter, go ahead and visit frames.photography. I would love to have you in our community. Thanks so much.